You're listening to In The Bunker, a podcast that explores the biggest challenges in starting and running a business. My name is Joshua Maddox, and I'm an entrepreneur and business owner myself. I'm sitting down with business owners to talk about the challenges they face, the lessons they've learned, and how we can all grow from it. Welcome back to In The Bunker. Every business owner has faced challenges, and we love to tell and share those stories. Today, we have Mike Rosenberg in the bunker with us. Mike was faced with the challenge of to grow or not grow his business. Mike has 20 plus years of experience in marketing and PR, and there's so much to unpack on this conversation. And I'm super excited to jump in and discuss this. Let's welcome Mike to the show. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate you having me. Good to have you on. Before we jump jump into this topic, let's really understand who you are. How did you get here? What do you do? Great. I don't think we have time to, to fully understand it, but so I'll give you the, the quick overview. So currently, and for the last oh, 10 years or so, I've been the CEO of Veracity Marketing. We are a PR and content marketing and digital PR agency based up in Portland. Work with a variety of clients. Our sort of target tends to be folks in the B2B industrial and, and high high tech kind of a businessy businesses, we like to say. How did I get here? I actually started out in sports marketing. Always played sports my life and all my life and had that dream to work in the sports world, whether it was for a team or something. Did that, did actually do that for a while, branched out and I did have my own consultancy after that. And then got a little frustrated with um, that industry years ago, where whenever we had a question of why are we doing it this way, it was always because we've always done it that way. Uh, I, like I said, I got frustrated with that and met with a friend who was starting a digital marketing agency, specifically a search engine marketing agency. This is early two thousands. And when the question came up is how are we going to do it? Why are we doing it that way? The answer was, we don't know, cause it hasn't really been done yet. And that was very exciting. So help build that into it. It came to an acquisition, which was our goal there. And then joined Veracity, which was actually started. It was a PR, specifically a PR firm started by my wife, joined her and started building out the digital side of what we do. So that's the quick. So as you started this PR agency, obviously being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, there's always a desire to grow, to achieve that next goal. What was that growth trajectory that you guys had set? What does that look like today as well? Yeah, it's quite different today than, than when it was. So the background of the agency starting, it actually started. So my wife used to, like I said, she's my business partner and she was uh, worked for a few PR agencies, a couple of the big PR agencies in Portland. And then she made a career transition as we were thinking about kids into real estate. She got recruited over to actually sell a big condo project. That was great. She was doing the sales and the marketing for that. It worked out along with kids coming along. That was 2007, 2008. A little bit of a recession coming, a little bit of a housing bubble. Everything was late, of course. And so instead of the timing working perfectly to then take a break to have our son, everything ran over, super busy, then decided to really take a break and really enjoyed the marketing piece. Uh, I think even more than the real estate piece, she has a big passion for that, but decided to just to go back in and raise, the, raise our son for a little bit, but then wanted to work still. So she started Veracity basically as a PR consulting. She had a few clients, et cetera, et cetera. The company that I was working for got acquired and the timing just worked out where she was starting to turn business away. Uh, and I came over and said, okay, let's build this. We actually at this time now had two little kids. And part of our reason for doing it together was 
we could sustain, we could make enough money to live, we could share raising our kids, we could share running this business. And the sort of short-term goal there was just sort of make it through when they were little and was in the basement of our house, all that sort of stuff. But we also had plans of what are we going to do when they start to go to school full-time and what are our ultimate goals? So one of those goals that we identified was, actually this was one, her name is Amy, I, I want to be the the biggest, or I think it was the biggest PR firm in Portland. And so what does that mean? Does that mean you make the most money? Do you have the most clients? Do you have the most employees? But that was just the Archie goal, right? But that was eventually. But the short-term goals for that was make enough money so that you can live the life that you want to have it as be a lifestyle business. Now, a lot of businesses do that for some sort of time, forever, until they retire, until they give it to their kids, sell it to somebody else. Other businesses, like the one that, that I helped start before this, Acquisition was the goal. We wanted some sort of action. So we had short-term and then the long-term was this nebulous thing. Now, of course, we put together, here's where we want to be financially. Here's the number of clients we think it's going to take to get us there, the number of employees or contractors or whatever to get us there. And that sort of evolved over time. One of the things that that's interesting about it, we built the business based on, on kind of the way that our kids grew up. So it, it's grown along and they've grown. The more that they're out doing things, sort of the bigger we got. They were out of the house. We moved out of the house and got an office. All those sort of things were pieces of it. Got it. You know, it, with any business, as you're growing that and you're figuring out, like you said, making the income that you need, but having that goal of being the the biggest PR firm in in Portland, obviously there's other PR firms in the area. Is that a goal that has changed or is that a goal that you've achieved. I'd say we certainly haven't achieved it, but it, as I mentioned before, it's a nebulous goal. It's just one of those. In fact, I think it's an ego goal. I would say one of the other things I said, is it biggest or best? I personally would say that we're probably the best. It also depends on how you define PR, the various things that you do. I'm sure there's other firms that are better at certain pieces of PR than we are. Like, for example, investor relations isn't something we do a lot of. So if that's what people think of when they think of PR, are we the best at that? Are we the biggest? Absolutely not. When it, when they talk about getting their client media uh, relations and media results. Yeah, we could be considered the best at that. And then you know, like many industries in the agency world, even oftentimes those agencies are acquired by other bigger agencies. So who even knows which one is which when it comes to that. But I, th I think the bigger thing is, is that, was that the right goal to have? It's something to strive for. It's something to say, this is what's going to kind of drive you. But now we start to look at it as where our goals are now is, are we happy with the business? Are we happy with the work we're doing? Are our employees and the folks that we partner with happy? Are we doing good work by our clients? And are we making an income that, that we're happy and satisfied with? So I think that's where our goals have moved and changed. That first five-year economic goal was just, I'm the numbers guy, right? It was just based on, okay, we grow this percent, we get this many people, we're going to be where we quote unquote want to be. One of the things that, that I've found, and I know is true and for, for most businesses, bigger doesn't necessarily mean you're making more money or doing better work or any of that. So you start to, to go through it and say, okay, we need X number of employees to get this amount of uh, monthly revenue coming in. But at the end of the day, are you doing better work? Are you happier? Are you making more money? Not necessarily, but I, th there's scales and tipping points that I've, I've seen along the way. Yeah. And I definitely can relate to that with our team owning a digital agency. We're a team of five and there was a point where we had nine and I either needed to bring on someone else who could project manage and literally split the team in half and have sort of two teams internal, which now means 
more overhead because there's more project management, there's more, more layers with that. And then me taking a higher business directional goal aspect and then continuing to grow that. And it's all a hundred percent possible. It just is what have, do you want that business to become? Do you want it to be something? Do you want to have a PR firm that has a big giant office with 150 employees that come in every day? Or do you want a PR firm that allows you to take a two week vacation and not worry about the 150 employees and because you don't have 150 employees. And that I think is where so many business owners really start to struggle with I want to have this massively quote unquote, like successful business and successful, sadly, oftentimes is associated with number of employees or size of the office or whatever that metric is. And it doesn't need to be successful for me. My wife and I had a kid in February and I was able to take a few weeks off work and I work from home. I'm sitting in my garage and in a small office that we've you know I've built out and not having to commute two hours each way to an office in downtown LA or whatever. And for me, that's the successful aspect. It's being able to have that family time, being able to have that flexibility more rather than an office with a hundred plus employees. Yeah, for sure. And I think also as a business owner, it, it, a lot of it boils down to also, what do you want to do? And what I mean by that, like your day to day, do you want to continue to do whether it's the project management or the in the weeds work or the client interaction or et cetera. And if that's some, if you want to continue to do that, of course you can hire people to do the tasks and things that you don't want to do. But if that's the role you want to keep having and you're happy with it, maybe it doesn't make sense to grow. If uh, one of the, the early on things I remember talking with uh, a coach was the different stages of a business from being self-employed to being a small business owner, to being an investor, Those are, I'm butchering it somehow exactly how they say it, much more eloquent, not my job. But that, that was how I originally built it. It was like, okay, so I want to go from being self-employed, okay, then to being a small business owner. And then at some point, do I want to be an investor in this business and then go do different things? That's a question I think a lot of business owners, I'm sure they have asked themselves, but need to continue to ask themselves as they're going. And then is, are these steps going to help take me closer to that? So if my goal is to become an investor in this business, then maybe you do respond to those emails talking about people wanting to buy it, continuing that way. I don't know if you get those, but the, the, those are my current annoyance in the inbox, but that's just because I'm not in that position right now. Like I, I, I want to keep building it myself. So I get it. I think that the thing there is, it's like you said, it's not, it's not. It doesn't have to be perfectly where what's perceived to be a good business or a big business. I've talked with plenty and worked with plenty of people who have hundreds of employees and it seems like everything from the outside is going amazing. And it's, yeah, but we're actually, we are a lot more profitable when we, before we hit that 50 employee mark or that 10 employee mark or whatever it is. And then I think a lot of people in the last couple of years with, you know, the pandemic and living it and working from home and, and reevaluating priorities, I think there's a lot more people who are, are coming onto that that it doesn't have to be what that old school view of success was. And I think the other aspect with that I know that I've seen is you also have employees who are okay with not working a 40 hour week now. They've realized that there's a lot of stuff in their life that they cut out expense wise that if you're not driving in LA, you can, you can go 20 miles and have a two hour commute. It's ridiculous. And if you're not spending four hours in the car every day, that's a heck of a lot of gas. You can 
take a pay cut. You can take less hour a week job. You can, you can spend that money elsewhere. And so I think that's where so many businesses have seen flexibility in that. I know some local businesses in the LA area who would only hire local talent who could be in the office. And then they realized with the pandemic and realized the ability to hire anyone in the US, they're like, that changes our talent pool. We now can hire anyone anywhere. And it's a very different, different element. You could have someone who's in New York or Florida or whatever that has a three hour time difference that is going to be able to be online three hours before your staff in LA is. And instantly that gives you an additional few hours of client support and you don't have to pay someone to get up and be in the office at five o'clock in the morning because they're doing it from Florida. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting. We've been through, I feel like almost every sort of employee contractor, whatever situation, and I'm sure it'll continue to change too, from having only full-time folks to, to work part-time working mothers was one of the things where we thought we could get there's, a, especially in the PR world, we felt like there was this great talent pool that worked for a while, maybe took a break for kids or whatever, and then maybe didn't want to come back and go into an office and didn't want to have that full-time job, but had this great knowledge in it. So it, it worked with some folks who were like that, speaking of now. Now it's for us, at least it's a hybrid, right? We've got some folks who are quote unquote, full-time employees. We gave up our office and haven't gone back to it yet in Portland, but we just hired a person, uh, in the St. Louis area and, and that's worked out great. Like you said, we've got, so now we've got East coast, Midwest, we don't have anybody in that mountain time yet. So that, that hour we don't quite have covered, but maybe that the next one will be somebody in Montana or something, but, and then of course our West coast. But we, like you were saying, we found it's been great to have those diverse work hours too. I love having stuff in my inbox when I get there in the morning, because I know that somebody has been working a couple hours, but also it does, they don't necessarily have had to have been working from, you know, eight o'clock their local time either. I think a lot of, I think for a lot of employees and where the, the really, especially the, the good in demand ones, that flexibility of time, not only of location and time zone time, but like you work with what works for you. Right. And there's all kinds of studies to talk about when people do their best work and when they're the most productive. And it's the ability for the most part to, to be flexible in that, I think is going to be a big win for everybody that can do it. Oh, you want to do, you know, yoga every day at nine o'clock. That's a part of your schedule and you don't build meetings that you need to be at around that time of your nine o'clock central time or whatever. Great. We'll block that in the calendar for you and you're getting your work done. Awesome. But that's the perfect scenario. Yeah, absolutely. And our team does almost the same thing with being able to, yeah, you want to take a two hour lunch and do a workout or get your grocery shopping in during that time rather than trying to grocery shop at 530 when everybody else is. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great element. We had a designer that worked for the company for a while that would go surfing in the morning. And the days that he went surfing were the days that he did his best design work. I bet. Yeah. And so it was like, I don't care that you're going to be two hours late, like getting in the office because I know the work you're going to produce today is going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And so it also, not only does it provide that flexibility, but it provides the aspect of, you know, if you're not having to sit there all day while you're working going, I'm going to have to fight people at the grocery store at five o'clock. Like this is going to be a pain, like knowing that you can go during lunch or go early in the morning and just take care of that. And then you're not sitting there thinking through that and focusing on that all day in the back of your head. It's one less distraction 
to not have to worry about. And it just, not only does it make your work day better, it makes your just overall quality of life better. It just, it's, it's nice. It's nice to be able to have that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think about whether it's worth like work, like life balance, or what we talk about as work life flow, where it's, it just goes in and out. And especially for owners and entrepreneurs, it isn't necessarily you're on and off. Right. And I know that's for sure. True for me. I don't, you're talking about you taking time off for the kids or taking vacations. And well, I think that one of the things that that's another growth question, eventually you go back to that investor piece. That's where you're, you have that ability. It's part of that is what's going to happen when I leave the office. Yeah. I can't leave. The first one is I can't leave because nothing's going to get done. The second one is, yeah, I can leave, but I need to be, it's got to be for a short amount of time and I need to be available. And then of course, the next step is, yeah, I can leave and trust that things are going to get done without me. It's going to be totally fine. Maybe if there's an emergency. And I think that, you know, for me is getting to that point is where I want our company to go pseudo there, but back to that work-life sort of flow balance thing. For me, it's now, it, it actually had this even before the pandemic, being with the ability to work from anywhere and even have different times that you're working. It's not going to be turn it off. I don't think it's going to be turned off for many business owners, but it's knowing that, okay, I can get up on vacation. Maybe I get up early and get that couple hours of work done and be able to enjoy my time as opposed to, I'm going to take these two weeks and be away and completely unplug. Now that's needed for some people at some points where you've got your head down grinding for a long time. You need that completely unplugged time. As long as I've owned this business, I haven't had that, nor have I wanted it. And so I think that's a part of, of deciding how you want to grow as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know there's a saying that goes, you're either a business owner or owned by your business. Mm -hmm. And it super resonates because yeah, there's days where I'm like, I can't leave the office because who's going to make sure this stuff gets done. And if that's the mindset, then you have the wrong people in place or you haven't provided the right training to the team. And so when my wife and I first found out we were pregnant, it was sweet. I got about eight months to make sure the team's ready because I'm going to be taking about two to three weeks off. Now it wasn't two to three weeks, me, no cell phone, no communication, but it was about a week and a half of pretty much other than a 911 Slack message. I wasn't around. And then another maybe week or so of I checked email. I was maybe touch base on a weekly call with the team. And other than that, it wasn't a ton. And then slowly eased back into it a little bit. And it's interesting when you step out and legitimately step away and the team knows that they have to step up to make things happen. It's interesting to see how they fill the gap and it works. I think you get pleasantly surprised by it. Absolutely. We have a couple of times for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I did something a few years ago that dramatically changed my sort of work-life balance or flow was disabled email notifications on my phone. Mm. And I could get a hundred notifications on a Saturday afternoon, but unless I launch the app, I will have no idea. Now, granted, if there is a server that goes down or a fire that pops up, I get a Slack notification because we have systems in place that monitor all those 911 type issues. But for the most part, I, yeah. 
at the park or whatever. I'm out. I don't want to see it, deal with it, know about it. And when I get back, and I think that's something that sort of having those boundaries a little bit is really good. And also making sure that those are in place for, for the team as well is, is important. Yeah, absolutely. Setting those expectations with the rest of your team, for sure, I think is key. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not having those constant notifications when they don't, you don't really need them. That's definitely important. I actually know, I know of a company that their system won't receive email after 5 p.m. or before mm. 8 a.m. Like it just holds it in queue and then everybody would get the email the next morning because they don't want their team touching it. And yeah, it's one of my favorite features of email is this, the send later, right? Just because I'm, I'm maybe doing something at night or I, I want, I don't want my people to see that, especially internally. You can get it in the morning and that's completely fine because even though you say it a hundred times, like you don't need to respond to this, you don't need to do this now. Um, just not even having it be an option, I think it's off time. So oh, and yeah. you're out at dinner, you get that notification. Now you're you're out at dinner with some friends. Now your mind isn't thinking about the conversation you're having, right. thinking about that problem or that thing you need to do tomorrow. And yeah, Slack's added that now, the send later function. There'll be times where 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, oh dang it, I need to ask so and so to get this done. And I'm like, send it 9 30 a.m. There you uh, go. Because I don't want that done tonight. It doesn't need to be done tonight. It, tomorrow is fine. Yep. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Obviously you guys have been faced with this aspect of to grow or not grow and hiring people like you talked about, whether it's full-time or remote or part-time or contractor, and there's all different aspects there. And in California, state laws in California are a mess for subcontracting. It's mm -hmm. ugh. anyway. Not even going to go into that. And what does that look like for you guys? That decision of stay the size you're at or quadruple the company or what does that decision look like? Yeah, it's interesting because we're, we're in the middle of it. One of the things that, that we did during COVID internally was actually treat ourselves like a client. We started doing a lot more marketing for ourselves and we're seeing that pay off. We're seeing that pay off with new client leads and, and new clients coming in. And what we found is we can be a bit more selective, which is nice, but that means growth, assuming that, that we want to do it. And, and we're certainly not at the point where we're ready to be like, okay, this is good. This is the ultimate thing, the exact place that we want to be. I'm honestly not even totally sure where that's going to be, but what we're trying to do and a lot of it is, I think, stress relief too, is getting in front of it. So we're trying to get the people in place on our team ahead of the growth, which I think can be, is really advantageous because those are the times as a business owner, you're stressed out. It's, well, who's going to do this? Who ends up being you, right? Yeah. Oh, now, again, maybe I'm back to doing the things that, that I don't really want to be doing, but we know that they have to get done in the meantime. And it's a tough hiring market right now too. That's kind of getting ahead of it makes a lot more sense in that capacity. So uh, it, it, it's hard and there's a lot of planning there. We have, I think that, you know, that we're not sure we have, I haven't got there completely to know exactly what that looks like. That sort of original goal that we talked about being the biggest PR firm in Portland, that's gone to the wayside because one. Half of our work's not even in Portland. Half of our clients aren't even necessarily here. So what is that kind of, I think I said it at the time, what does that even mean? And I think yeah. not worrying about those eagle or external sort of like goals in mind. It's just 
growing and, and having, I think the biggest thing is when your employees or contractors are encouraging folks that they know that they work with to, to become partners, that to me is what it feels when people are coming in that way. So I don't have a, the perfect answer for it. I think everybody has to evaluate it on their own. I'm in my mid forties and, and I feel like this is peak working time. So it feels like now's the time to, to go. I originally was talking about having kids. We've got one in high school pretty soon moving along to college. That's okay. Now I'll have even more time to, to enjoy growing the business. And I think to me, that's a key of it. It's not doing it because you have to, uh, ideally it's doing it because you want to, and, and you're making sure that you have the pieces in place for yourself and your employees. And of course, doing good, good work for the clients as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's a super key element with any business. If you're growing a business, you thoroughly enjoy getting in the office. You enjoy the people you work with, the clients you work with and the work you do. There's so much less stress there. There's so much less anxiety and just all of that, that you want to do more. You want to grow it. You want to have more clients of those amazing clients you work with. You want to have more team members, like the awesome team members you already work with. And so it's, you just, you want more of what you already have. And it's just continuing to grow that a little bit. Definitely can see that. Yeah. And yeah, you can also, you know, it, I don't know. You get to the point where you, you do you know everybody that's, you don't necessarily have to, but I think that's a, another piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. We've chatted through this topic of growth and employment and work-life balance. And what would be your advice for someone who's challenging, challenged with that aspect of, do we grow the business? Do we not? And what that looks like, what would be that sort of, you know, advice to someone who's facing that? I think the biggest thing is, is I, I would say, take a step back from what your business goals are and where do you want to be in life? And I don't think that you have to do it. There's only three, five, 10 years. I think look at it that way and start thinking about it and know that things can change. But I think understanding like what you want to do, where you want to be. And, and knowing that it doesn't always have to be bigger to be better, I think is, is a good place to be. I think that's the main thing I would do is what are your sort of, like I said, life, family type goals and how's the business going to help you get there? And good enough might be good enough in, in that aspect. It doesn't always have to be bigger. That's really good. Simon Sinek has, I was just looking up on my shelf, Simon Sinek, there's a book called Find Your Why mm -hmm. and another one, Start With Why. And I think you hit it basically with what you just said, like it's literally, if your business supports your personal mission statement and is right alongside that, then how can the business further support that? But if the business is 100% against your sort of why, your personal why, your personal sort of mission statement, then you got to change it or do something or sell and get rid of the business. Or you got to think personal first and how does the business support that? Um, I think that's well, really, it, it's got to be yours too. Oh, totally. Like, there's so many people, oh, I want to do this and I'm going to work really hard so I can retire. Yeah, all the time. What are you going to do when you retire? I don't hear it all the time. I'm not that old, but it's like, well, I, I don't know if I am, right? Yeah, I'll probably be doing something different, but that's, that's not, I don't think that I work hard for 40 years and then retire and do nothing. That's not where I want to be. I'm, there are plenty of people in this world who do. And, and having that big, huge agency that, you know, sells for 4X of the valuation, et cetera, that, 
that could be a goal, put your head down and doing that. That I'm sure that is a goal for a lot of folks, uh, which is totally fine. But just, I think just, but you see, yeah, Cenex, find your why, get in there, try to understand. And I would say you're going to talk to whether it's partners, whether it's business partners, family partners, whatever, and, and make sure that it all aligns too. Because I think there's definitely times where you have preconceived notions of what your partners in life and business want to do, which may or may not be accurate. Yeah. Yeah, definitely true. And in the aspect of retiring, you don't have to retire. You don't have to retire. If you can work anywhere, like for me, literally all I need is a laptop and my cell phone. It's funny. One of our designers was traveling and seeing some family and we're on a mock-up review call with a client. I was like, yeah, we needed to shift the call an hour or something because he's Midwest or something. And it's really funny because the client didn't realize it. And no one cares. Like if you are doing a mock-up review or you're getting your work done, it doesn't matter if you're sitting in your office, you're sitting on your couch, you're sitting at a coffee shop or sitting on the beach. Like the same work gets done either way. And so if you're able to be on the beach and getting stuff done and having a better scenic view or whatever, and your lunch break is going for a swim or whatever that looks like, it's a much more enjoyable work-life balance and it's, it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah. And you'll do better work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. I think there's been a ton of good information and just really breaking down the aspect of that element of like success and how we see that just in our society a little bit. And it doesn't have to be that you're the biggest, you're the Number one, whatever metric you want to measure that by, it's more, how does your business fulfill your personal mission and your personal why? And if it fulfills it and supports it, then that's a huge achievement. That's a huge achievement. You've started a business, you've fulfilled a personal mission and, and a why, like pat yourself on the back. That's so much more than so many business owners have done. And it's a story that we would love to hear and we love to share. Appreciate Mike, you've been on the show today and we'll have your full bio and website, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all those links will be in the show notes. But if someone wants to connect with you, what is the best spot online for them to do that? For listeners, I'd say probably LinkedIn, Mike Rosenberg on LinkedIn. My website's veracityagency.com. I actually have a ton of, of resources on the learning side. It's somebody who, who wants to learn stuff about PR, digital PR, that, as I mentioned, are doing marketing for ourselves. It's all thought leadership stuff where we're sharing our insights and, and what we know with the world, trying to get people better educated on our industry. Awesome. Appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about your business and your knowledge and background and some of the stuff that you guys have ventured through and appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for being on. Thanks for listening to this episode of In the Bunker. As always, we can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at In the Bunker Podcast. Be sure to share this episode and what you're going to apply from it and how that can affect your business. Make sure to tag us in that post so we can highlight your journey as well. But before you go, I have a quick personal ask. Each episode of In the Bunker takes a lot of work to put together from finding the guest, shooting, editing, all of that. And where I really could use your help is twofold. First, 
if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or another podcast platform that can let you leave a five-star review or a text-based review, I would truly and greatly appreciate that. It really helps with the algorithm and allowing other listeners to find the show. The next thing that I really need help on is sharing this with friends, family, business owners, people that you think need to hear this content. I appreciate you listening to this episode and looking forward to next week. Take care.